0: Listening to The Pipeline, a proverbial aqueduct flowing between the hands of poverty and the hands of Jesus. This program is produced and sponsored by Pipes International. For more information and resources, like us on Facebook or visit our website at pipesinternational.org. If you'd like to support this program or the Ministry of Pipes International, you can do so easily and securely on the website. Guana a
1: All right. Well, welcome back to The Pipeline. I'm excited to be with Pastor Samuel again today, and thank you for joining us. If this is your first time listening to The Pipeline, we are Pipes International, the Partnership for Indigenous Peoples, and if uh, you haven't listened to this before, I would encourage you to go back and listen to previous episodes that give... uh, a good insight into the work that the Lord has enabled us and equipped us to do. But today we're going to talk about something pretty special. It is the ninth anniversary mm-hmm. of Pipes International. Yep. And we're coming up almost on the day, right? The ninth anniversary to the yeah, day, like the thirtieth of this month, the thirtieth of October. Wow. Mm-hmm. So. This is going uh, to be a good episode. Today we're just going to talk about how the Lord has used pipes over the last nine years. And we're going to discuss a number of projects that took place and, and dive into some of the exciting details of those projects. But here we go. Let's, uh, let's talk about the ninth anniversary and what mm. God has done.
0: Yeah, you know, it's so much, it's a lot in nine years, and we can just, uh, we'll just talk about it in brief, but we really thank God. It's like talking about nine years of God's faithfulness, nine years of seeing the gospel transforming lives, you know, people being changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm encouraged just to dive in and talk a little bit about about Pipes in the last nine years, uh, founded in 2011. And uh, at the time of our founding of Pipes International, we we were just starting a school at that point in Congo with uh, about 30 kids that came together from the villages. We encouraged uh, the parents to bring their kids. They had wanted for many years to have their children, the pygmy children, coming from the forest to join school like other kids. And they were not having those opportunities, either because they were not having school fees to pay. And um, even those who could afford, they were not allowed to take... Their children to the schools that were, you know, treated like special school for the Bantu people or the general population. And the pygmies coming from the forest are being seen as a second class citizens who are not allowed to take those kids to school. So we provided as Pipes International a forum where they could attend school and get some quality education. And and basically in our first years of 2011. We, we were just ministering the gospel among them, you know, trying to bring uh, people together, trying to encourage the local communities to accept the pygmies as you know human beings created by God. So we we did a lot of work in the first few months and few years, just bringing communities together, sharing the gospel, and of course the schoolwork that was going on and the feeding program that was kind of our main concentration at the beginning. So one of the things that if, if you're new to
1: Pipes that uh, is, is really exciting is Hope Academy and you've, you've just mentioned that here it started in 2011 we have a detailed podcast actually on one of our uh, previous episodes talking about the history of Hope Academy and the mm-hmm. amazing tremendous growth that we've seen in that school um, but that school has just really impacted the lives of the Pygmies because this was something that was unavailable to them previously, Mm -hmm. being indigenous peoples, people who were not accepted as human beings and and definitely marginalized. They didn't have access to education, and so Hope Academy has really changed that for hundreds of pygmies. Uh, So that was the first year in 2011 we we planted Hope Academy and Mm -hmm. then what happened within a year, we saw massive
0: growth, right? Yes, so by 2012, you know, it has grown from 30 kids to 150. And so the desire for more teachers, initially it started with two teachers, so there was desire for more teachers. At the same time, the organization is small, so, you know, even the issues of supporting a a big project was initially a challenge. But uh, by 2012, we had 150 kids, and that was a big shift from 30 to 150, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so...
1: This is something that I, I want to talk about kind of in detail regarding how pipes went about providing the opportunity for people who were previously in the rainforests, people who were previously in the jungle. Mm. How did you get them out of the jungle into like the heart of Goma or, or, or the outskirts of Goma, really, in DRC? What was that like, the, the resettlement of of the
0: pygmies, so um, initially the government just evicted these people from the forest. So, mm-hmm. even though uh, we didn't like dive into the forest to look for them, they had already been chosen by the fo- by the government. So they are evicted, and now they are just moving from place to place. They don't even have a place to settle. Wow. So in Goma, what we did is to start you know building small homes for them, and just started resettling uh, some of them, and. Now that's how the idea of the school came because these are people who are scattered. We are now bringing them together. They're having some small homes they can live in. And, and so their kids don't have somewhere to go. So that's how we started now the school. And when others heard that we have a school where the kids can attend, so most are coming to the same area to, to resettle there so that they have a school for their kids. So it was interesting in the beginning that you know everybody's trying to come and look for, for an opportunity for their children to go to school. So in 2013, Pipes International purchased land, correct? Yes. So now in 2013, we actually did like two major things. So we are in Goma, try to build a school. Uh, we don't have enough space. So we started buying some property there around the school so that we can build. But at the same time, we went to Idri Island. Now, this is a different place. We went to this other place where the Pygmies had been scattered there, living in the forest and we bought land for them, and resettled 20 families at the, at, at the onset of 2013. Mm. So now we had two projects going on at the same time, we are resettling these ones, and we have a school in another region.
1: Wow, talk about how the, the process of purchasing the land came about, and it, did you experience any difficulties in, mm-hmm. that, in that whole process? Okay.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, initially we wanted to concentrate with one project, of the school in Goma. But at the same time, when we visited Idri the first time and we started sharing with these people and the women gave us testimonies how they are being raped in the forest and how the soldiers are really mistreating their children. Some women had actually lost children who were taken by the militia groups and taken deep in the forest and they had no opportunity to see them any more time. So we thought maybe the best thing is to buy land Uh, near where other people are, other communities, and just to resettle these families. And so we we, we started this other project in Idri. Initially, it it was a bit hard because the people didn't want to sell the land to resettle the pygmies. It's like, we we don't want those people to come here to be with us. Um, Because, of of course, the prejudice and, and all that about the pygmies. But eventually, with the pastor there, Uh, partnering with a church in Congo, they were able to convince uh, the person who was selling the land that, you know, it's a worthy project and the church is going to be there in case of any problem. Uh, Some people thought, you know, when the pygmies come, there are going to be conflicts and fightings. They might steal their cattle, you know, just as they hunt in the forest, they thought maybe they will be coming to hunt our own livestock. But, But eventually we were able to strike a deal, and just let them know these are human beings and they'll be able to live together in in cohesion. And so finally we got the land, and when the pygmies heard that we have land for them, oh, they quickly came down from the forest areas where they they were hiding, and they came and they they built some little homes, you know, like just huts with leaves and mud. But it was a much better place for them that they knew they are in their own place. Nobody's coming to chase them. And at the same time, they can Mm. Uh, plant their own crops, you know, have their own food. It was just an amazing experience for them.
1: Well, wow. and even hearing you talk about that, that's giving me some insight into how even people in Congo, like you know, here's a, a, an organization coming in saying we want to support these people, we want to mm-hmm. help these people. Yeah. But even still, there's hesitation. Yeah. Because there's, a, there's a, a precedent has been set that where the pygmies go, there's bound to be trouble, mm, right? yeah And is it fair to say that um, just because of the, the, the stereotypes and the stigmas that are associated with pygmies that mm. that's just one of the many reasons why
0: people avoid them and, and try not to interact with them? Yes, that's, that's precisely. And there are also people who thought, why are you helping them? Why can't you help us, you know? So they are, it's like you're fighting for the same resources. We need help yeah. while you're helping them. Okay. So it's kind of just trying to strike a balance that, and that's why at the onset, there was at one point we would buy something for the pygmies, but also like, I remember when we bought the first uh, fishing nets for them so mm-hmm. that they can do fishing in Lake Kivu, we had to buy another net for the pastors and the leaders in the church so that they don't feel like, you know, this group is being favored. Right. We are the people, the the go-between, and yet we are not benefiting. So yeah. that was another issue of resource, resource uh, limits. Yeah,
1: and that speaks also to Pipe's general partnership model, that mm. when we're partnering with churches that are in the heart of where we're operating, whether mm. it's the DRC or Burundi or Rwanda, oftentimes those churches that we're partnering with are not, indigenous people groups per se but we're mm. partnering with them so yeah. that we can serve the indigenous people's people groups exactly and so it is it's a multifaceted partnership where mm. we're all working together yeah to, to, to achieve this and so it's like everybody's benefiting from this and um, yeah it, I, I, I really appreciate that yeah. about the model that we have mm. so let's let's move on let's talk about um,
0: 2014 what was a, a big step forward for pipes? Yeah, so 2014 was big for us. You know, like, these are like three years later. We have a school. It's growing. Uh, By that time, we had 250 kids, and we thought it's now time to have a permanent uh, building for the school. The reason is twice our school had been blown up by the weed. Oh, wow. And the tents taken, you know, these were just canvas tents. Uh, and they be the, the weed would come and blow them up and so kids come in the morning and there's no school <laughs> mm. So start gathering kids again yeah. under some tree to study. So we thought twenty fourteen was now the time to build a permanent school and because the population was also going, at that point our desire was to build a school that would accommodate three hundred kids. So we thought maybe they'll move from two hundred and so two hundred and fifty to three hundred but was we surprised when you built the school, so many kids came. So we we just jumped like four hundred, mm. and it was just an interesting story of growth. Yeah, and trying to manage that growth. That's incredible. Yeah, and and if
1: again, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to the Hope Academy podcast because we dive into that in pretty great detail, and it's uh it's an incredible story. I have to ask Pastor Samuel. Um, You know, one of the many ways that we partner with people and have partnered with people over the past nine years is by partnering with missionaries Mm -hmm. and bringing missionaries from the states to the region of Central and East Africa. Mm -hmm. Um, What has that looked like over the years? And, And at what point in the start of the organization did you start making a bigger effort to invite missionaries
0: and to bring Americans over to see the work that was being done? Mm. So uh, the first time we actually traveled with a team from U.S. was 2014. Okay. So at that point where we went to build the school, we had three American missionaries going with us. So they are from St. Louis area, uh, but by the time we went the following year in 2015, we had more missionaries coming. Yeah. And now, of course, including yourself in 2019 and Kerry, uh, yeah. Blake, and others. So it's always I always love a situation where, whereby you take the Americans to where the work is. Yeah. So that they, they actually see for themselves. So they get more commitment in praying for those kids and just showing them love. And when people go out there, they say this is something I want to support. Mm. But sometimes when you hear from you know other people, the burden is not as heavy. Mm-hmm. But of course, for those who are listening to our podcast and those who are going to our website to see videos, you, you can kind of just see what we are doing. But going there, it's, it's all different.
1: Yeah, and I just wanna say this to our listeners right now. If you're interested in going on mission with us, mm. we would love to have you. We Definitely. are passionate about bringing people with us. And I can say from experience, by, for my own self and, and for other others that I have seen go on these trips that uh, if it's a desire that the Lord has put on your heart, don't hesitate mm-hmm. because he will pave the way <laughs> yeah. and if it's a financial concern he will provide, mm-hmm. those things are covered because if God has called you to do it uh, there's nothing that can stop that from happening so
0: yeah, yeah um, let's move on, 2015 2015, what, what happened that year? So 2015, we actually now started working more with other churches, uh, both in Congo, but also in Rwanda. So we, we met uh, some pastors in Rwanda, and we started doing some partnership. Mainly, we were just doing evangelism and mission and training of pastors, but that was an, a great year because now, for the first time, initially, we concentrated in Congo for, for, for several of our first years, but now we dived into Rwanda as well.
1: Okay, and the church that we are partnered
0: with, one of the churches that we're partnered with mm-hmm. in Rwanda, what's it called? So we have the Victory Churches, mm-hmm. which is uh, one of the ones we identified. It's another one called the Family Church. Okay. So they are kind of two churches that we are closely partnering with. And these churches are just really amazing because
1: what they have what they have volunteered to do in mm-hmm. terms of partnering with us yeah. has just been a huge blessing. Yeah. Can we talk about a little bit about that? What what kind of uh, what kind of work have they done just in
0: in their own way to help mm. support this effort? So, for example, the Victory Church has been a big blessing for us. Uh, so when we go out there, they are our main host. So they make sure that we get the right documents to to go in and the right hosting requirements. But also, the Victory Church has actually given us a huge, a big room part of the church compound, where Pipes has kept now the sewing machines mm. in readiness to opening the, the training school. Of course, the COVID just delayed that, which was supposed to start last, uh, in March this year. But you know, that's a huge thing. You know, somebody just provides a room. Yeah. You don't have to pay anything. Just keep your uh, equipment there and start the training. But also these churches are also helping to coordinate the work there. You know, like the Bishop uh, Joseph makes sure that our missionaries are taken care of. If there's any issue, he solves that issue. And I was so happy that he took us right to Ruduha, you know, where there are pygmies mm-hmm. in Ruduha there. Otherwise, without partnership, church like that, you wouldn't go to some of those villages. You know, you are stranger, yeah. a stranger. It'll be difficult. So they have led us in the li- uh, the right way to be able to find the right people to help. And they have taken us to extremely... Needy families. Yeah,
1: that's a really interesting aspect of this ministry. Mm-hmm. As we are committed to partnering with indigenous peoples, oftentimes indigenous peoples can be very hard to find. Yeah, right, yeah. because yeah. they're yeah. in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, most of them do not have homes, mm-hmm. so they're constantly moving. Yeah, and so you you really need somebody who has recent information on their location who mm-hmm. can tell you, yeah, they're they're here in this general region. Yeah, and. That's, that's a huge thing, to be able to have somebody who is close by in that area who can lead us. And I, I actually want to talk about this for a minute. Um, what's it like when Pipes meets a village of indigenous peoples for the first time? Mm-hmm. What's that initial contact like? Mm-hmm.
0: So, initial contact is always interesting because they, are, they have expectations that you don't even know what they're exactly expecting you are there. You are new. The indigenous peoples have expectations. Yeah, the expectation yeah. because you are visitors. What have you brought? You know, right? What are you bringing? <laughs> like what are you bringing the, for us? Is there food? Is there clothing? And and it's a genuine concern because they are very needy. Yeah, if people who have had no shoes, for example, for a long time. People who have never had clothes to change, and you go there, you look like you're doing okay. So why not? You know, be able to help. So. Those expectations, sometimes you don't know what it is. So the, the the churches help a lot because they tell us, okay, in order for us to be accepted, you know, we need to go in this way. Let's just show them love of God. Let's show them that, you know, we are all equal, that we are not coming just to bring things, but you want to partner with them and just be like brothers and sisters. But at the same time, of course, we, we, we have always found it's, it's good to also go with some physical material things like mm-hmm. clothes and shoes for kids so that at least you are moving their life from where they are to start living in a better better life yeah that way just like jesus says you know if you have two shirts and somebody has none you know you share with them so we try to practice that we feel it's bible and and, and uh, but but these people are also very Welcoming, mm. you know, they meet us with dancing yeah. and singing, and, yeah. and uh, you know, it's that first contact is always very encouraging. Just even to see those pictures much later in life, usually they are very, very dirty, mm. you know, like just everything is dirt, dat dat Yeah, their clothes, everything. But we really thank God that every time we go to a place in like six months, it's all different. The kids are clean. You know, they started cleaning their own homes, cleaning their own clothes. You go there and you're like, "Wow, what has happened?" Yeah. Not necessarily that you're poured any money, but you just trained and taught them how to keep good hygiene and what that means to their lives and their general health. Yeah, I think one of the
1: things that's worth mentioning is that that initial contact is—it's really a sensitive, it's a sensitive time mm-hmm. in in the beginning of a relationship because you know obviously our our directive is to make disciples and to end poverty yep. and those two things going hand in hand there's a healthy mm. balance yeah. of preaching the gospel and providing something to help mm. in their time of need in their physical need but at the same time we don't want to create this kind of dependent relationship where mm. they're completely dependent on pipes or more specifically completely dependent on american finances mm. to to just you know enable them to continue living in their lifestyle as if, you know, well, I'll just, I don't have to do anything for myself. And that's yeah. that's one of the things that is really important. And, um, you know, as, as an organization, we are very intentional about economic empowerment and mm-hmm. education, Yeah, two of which things, two, two things which are very instrumental in ending poverty because mm-hmm. without those things, really, you know, if you just give somebody Food, but you don't educate them and yeah. you don't empower them. Mm. Then you're just enabling them to stay in poverty. <laughs> yeah, that's and true. so, um, yeah, it's 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 definitely a healthy balance, and it's something that at the onset of the relationship, at the at that initial contact, um, we don't want to we we want to make sure that we're that we're exercising wisdom and discernment in the way that we set the precedent for. This is what we're here we're here to be a partner with you. And it, it it goes back to that. It's a partnership. It's not an enabling relationship. It is a partnership. We're going to walk with you mm. and we're committed to walking with you for the long haul. Yeah. And that's that's a beautiful thing about about this organization that we are we're committed to these you know we're we're coming up on 10 years and we've been committed to uh, the villages in in the DRC now for ten years, yeah. and that's an amazing, amazing amazing thing. So,
0: yeah, let's move on to 2016. Wow, 2016 was just another amazing year because for the first time we launched outside of the African continent, and you know God just opened doors for us to go to Pakistan. So two members of Pipes International we went to minister in Pakistan. So that's a whole story. And actually, there's a podcast also on Pakistan, which, you know, you can go back there and and listen to. But, you know, being able to go to a country which is predominantly Muslim and you're coming from America, sometimes it can be very tricky in terms of security issues. And uh, I will not dwell too much there because we have a podcast on that. But it was amazing to go there and minister the gospel, you know, having like 5,000 people come to the crusade. And, and hundreds of them give their life to Christ. You know, it was so encouraging uh, to see that the people have the heart just to hear. Even though they are Muslim, they want to hear about Jesus and they want to hear the gospel. And uh, we, we had great hosts. We were well protected. Uh, they made sure that we, we wherever we went to very risky places, we had a lot of soldiers with us. And if we were in a better place, then we were let to, you know, just be ourselves there. But that was an amazing opening because after that, now we've been able to go to other countries, you know, like South Korea and Philippines and all that. Mm. But Pakistan was our main entrance to Asia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, As Pastor Samuel
1: said, definitely go back and check that podcast out. But it's it's so interesting and it's really amazing just to see the hunger that people have for the truth. Mm. That people all over the world— want to know the truth, yeah. and when yeah. they hear the good news of Jesus, that mm-hmm. that is, where, wherever they're coming from, I mean, there's just power in the gospel, mm-hmm. and it's it's awesome to see that. Yeah. And uh, 2016, as you said, we, we, we went to Pakistan, and, and we met Pastor Victor. Victor. yeah. Yeah.
0: What an amazing addition to our team. Yes, and you know what? I initially met him on Facebook. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it was Facebook and Twitter. Chatting, and I knew another pastor whom they were friends, and I started asking them about him, and they said, "You know, is a good man." So finally, we were there in Pakistan. Mm, wow! Yeah. And
1: 2017, 2017, what did the Lord start opening up more
0: in Asia? Yeah. So when we went to Pakistan, there are some people in Asia who saw us there, and they said, "Oh, we'd like you to come to Thailand. Want to come to Vietnam?" And you know, it's in, its interesting, as you said, you know, so many people desire to hear the gospel, and especially in those in those areas. So the Lord opened an opportunity. First of all, I, I traveled to South Korea. Uh, that was the first time to t- South Korea. But then one of our partners, PIPES board member, um, Bernard, went to Thailand and Vietnam. He also went to Indonesia and Mauritia. And, Malaysia. and um, those are four countries, five countries in total in 2017 in Asian countries. And uh, one interesting thing, and maybe Pastor Ben will tell us more one time, the way he smuggled Bibles in Vietnam, you know, because you're not allowed to go with the Bibles there. And he kind of had an interesting way. And I'm not going to tell you details because I don't want you to know how he smuggled Bibles, <laughs> but, <laughs> but he smuggled Bibles in Vietnam. Wow. And, and, uh, and even when he came back, the pictures he took, he couldn't take with the face of anybody, just the hands as they received the Bibles. It's so it's one of those countries you go and you share the gospel, and you're like, "Wow, this is it!" Yeah, you know, you're setting the gospel to people who are really in need to hear the good news. Wow, Amen. So, 2018,
1: what we we, we hit a whole another region of the planet in yes. 2018. What what happened there?
0: So 2018 actually is is the year personally I traveled to most to the highest number of countries in one year. Wow! I touched 12 countries in one remember. year. One year. My goodness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an opportunity to go to Haiti also in 2018, and I also went to Mexico with one of our partners of pipes called Kerry uh, Kerry Brick, and also 2018 I went. to To India, that's another country I went for the first time. We have a podcast about India. So it's it's all interesting. And I went back to Burundi and, of course, other countries as well. But you see, you can see the expansion now. Mexico is included. Haiti is included. India, where it's a a Hindu country, it's included. And we're able to share the gospel there. Great meetings there. Again, it's a podcast on India. So the good thing, you can go there and dive in and listen more.
1: Yeah. And uh, also in 2018, the Lord started opening doors to pygmies
0: in Rwanda and Burundi. Yeah. Yes. That's now, although we had been in Rwanda, but that's the year now we we went to Burundi among the pygmies and also in Rwanda among the pygmies. So Bishop Joseph took us to, uh, to the pygmies in Ruduha and another bishop in Burundi called Bosco, he took us now to the big, amazing Burundi. Yeah. Because we felt we were reaching indigenous peoples in Congo. We thought now this is the time to expand the same to other countries.
1: And I'm so glad we did. I, I, I've i seen, um, I haven't been to the DRC yet. I'm hoping, hoping that we will be there in January. But um, I've seen pictures recently that, that we received from Burundi. And it's just, it's it's jaw-dropping what mm. the level of poverty is and, yeah. and the need I mean you know we're nine years into this and we've just barely scratched the surface mm, it's on, true. on on meeting as many people as we can I mean there's still we, we've only met a, a fraction mm. of the pygmies that are that are in need and um, yeah so it's just it's it's a it's a humbling sobering reminder that that the work is is great mm. you know the harvest is plentiful Yeah, and yeah. the workers are few <laughs> and uh so we're just continually praying that God will continue to open these doors and um and uh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk more about that here in a minute, but 2019, let's talk about uh, the Philippines.
0: Yeah, so 2019, another door for Philippines, which was the first country to visit that year. And, uh, and then actually I went to South Korea the same year, but uh, that was second time to South Korea. But it's interesting, Philippines, what I found interesting there is that the highest percentage are Catholic. So they might just say Christians, Christians, but they are just Catholic. They they, they don't have a relationship with Christ. And uh, Philippines is also a very strategic country. It's surrounded by a lot of Muslim countries. So doing ministry in Asia uh, from Philippines point of view is actually very, very, it, it's a very strategic place. You can go to Philippines and fly in for like 30, 40 minutes hmm. to a lot of countries just around there, which are all Muslim countries and just share the gospel. And um, and that's something that I look forward to doing again in the future. Wow.
1: So that was uh, 2019, just last year, and my first year to Africa. Yeah. And here we are in 2020. And even though this has been a whirlwind of a year, the Lord has opened yet another door for mm-hmm. us to meet a very special indigenous people group in your home country, in yeah. Kenya.
0: Yes. So we we've been praying and we're praying that we can do some work in Kenya. Yeah. But we we didn't just want to go anywhere, but the Lord led us to the Maasai indigenous people. You know, the Maasai are very famous people in Kenya. They keep to their tradition. And I was there in March this year, 2020, Mm -hmm. as we launched our relationship with the Maasai people. We had a pastor there, Rianto, who is working with us to establish this work. And, uh, So we're actually looking forward to having the discipleship workbook in their language maybe next year. And Uh, what is their language? The Maasai language. Okay. So that would be interesting to just um, have it published in their language. They already got some books for those who can speak English, so they're actually doing Bible study with our materials already. Wow. And uh, what we hope to do next year is to be able to have a demonstration farm with the Maasai. So the Maasai are nomadic people. They Mm. move from one place to the other. Yeah are looking for, because they keep cattle, looking for water, looking for green grass. And so it's a great ministry for them when they are disciple, they can, as they travel around, they will be able to share the gospel with other people. But with the changes of situations and you know more, these few allowed to go grazing around the country, they are kind of now settling more down. So the need to encourage them to do farming has become very vital. Mm. They're not moving as much as they did before. So we, we would love to have like a demonstration farm where they can, because they have a lot of cattle. So they have a lot of manure for growing crops, you mm-hmm. know, just organic farming. And uh, this is something that we'd like to, to, to do more next year. And as we travel in January, February there, we'll be able to go in there and decide the way forward. Yeah,
1: and I'm excited to learn more about this people group. We've actually Mm. commissioned Pastor Isaac to do a podcast on the Maasai people, so Mm. be on the lookout for that. It'll be coming in the next few weeks. But, um, yeah, I I, want to throw you a curveball of a question here, which I think I already know the answer to, but I would imagine the Maasai people have had very little biblical scholarly work translated in their language for them Mm. to study. Is that correct? Yeah. So this is a this is an, a huge landmark. Yes. Getting the discipleship workbook translated
0: into this language. Yes, I guess it may probably it's going to be the first like a discipleship book in their own language. Wow. So that's why the pastors they are already interested in that. Yeah. And uh, you know, even spreading the gospel among the Maasai, it's going to be a very wonderful thing to do.
1: Yeah, that's so incredible. That's so mm. exciting. And uh, of course you've been seeing this on our social media and and hearing about this uh, this has been a huge year in in treating jiggers jigger infestations yeah and uh, this is an amazing project and the pictures that we're seeing of, of transformation from from children and, and adults who have had horrible infestations mm. are, are are being free now of these parasites yeah and it's it's literally changing their lives because yeah. they're going from, you know, not being able to walk because mm-hmm. their feet are in so much pain yeah, to being able to go about their lives. And mm-hmm. this is a huge step forward in uh, just being the hands and feet of Jesus. So let's talk a little bit about, again, for those who, uh, who are new to pipes and those who might not know, some of the the three main areas of ministry that we're constantly growing in and, and praying for the Lord to, to help us in, in ministry. Let's just talk about these three areas real quick.
0: Yeah. So one of them, the mission and discipleship, which, uh, you know, we continue to see the heart of the Lord, as, as Stuart says, you know, doing international missions with people from America, people from uh, other Asian countries, actually going to Africa and people from Africa going to other countries. You know, those those partnerships have been very good because you see other cultures and you are also able to share the gospel and learn some things from the different people. So our staff and our frontiers continue to establish Bible studies during this time of COVID-19 in the places that we serve, and the use of the book, the discipleship workbook has been extremely great, and we thank God really for that. We feel like it it came in the right time, you know? People at home, not too much gatherings, and they're able to, to receive that.
1: One of the things that I'm particularly excited about, and this again is, you know, in, in line with the discipleship workbook, is just that... We're seeing people actually taking the time. We're seeing non, like, you know, not ordained ministers, just Mm -hmm. average people taking the time to study scripture, but to really to learn how to read it for themselves Mm -hmm. so that they're not dependent on somebody else telling them what it means, but that they can actually interpret it and apply it to their own life. That's true. That's
0: a huge step forward. Yeah, that's true. And, and the other item is education and training. And, and we say education in, in most of the developing countries. It's a tool for empowerment. It's a tool for growth, for development. So when somebody goes to school and another kid cannot attend school because of school fees and other situations, there will be such a huge gap between those two kids. So being able to provide school in Congo, where now 600 kids are getting receiving quality education, is a big thing. Now, something that we must say here and excited to talk about is that we have graduated for the first time, grade 12 this year, 2020. So this year is so special in many ways for us. So we've graduated the first grade 12 in Congo in our Hope School. Among them were five pygmies and four were the general population. We call them the Bantu there. Mm. And it was also very interesting to see the highest, the, the best performer was a pygmy. Wow. So, these are people who have been looked down, like, you know, not smart as much. Mm. That's how people have thought about them. And there they are graduating at the top of their yeah, class. At the Come top on. of their class. That's you know, amazing. I'm just so excited. Now, guess what? So, today I had a conversation with the pastor there asking, okay, so what is the next step? He says, he said they are waiting on me to help them go to university. Mm. So they are looking forward to see what pipes will do for them. Wow. And I say, definitely, we have to do something. Yeah, You know, first of all, it's our first class. They are these uh, indigenous people graduating grade 12. We definitely want to see them in the university. Yeah,
1: So absolutely. we'll do
0: whatever we can do uh, to raise the funds. So we'll be asking them to give us more details in terms of what universities and what courses they are taking. But remember, we, we actually sponsoring somebody in the university right now and it's like three hundred dollars in a semester. Yeah. So they have three semesters. So we are talking about less than a thousand for a year to take somebody to go through the university. So if they do four years, three thousand and something, and somebody has completed university.
1: Yeah. For someone to to go and get a bachelor's degree in Kenya, it is significantly less money. Yeah. Than it is here in America. And, yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Mm. So, we've talked about this before, too, but as far as uh, the future of Pipes, we're prayerful that God will allow us to actually start a trade school Mm. and kind of another branch of Hope Academy that will allow students to continue their education. Yeah. And to have a more like a specialized certification in mm-hmm. a in a field, whether it's welding or carpentry yeah. or teaching any of those things, mm-hmm. so that's exciting and yeah we're, we're looking forward to seeing how uh, how the next few years shape out you yeah. and uh, next year is our tenth anniversary. Wow, this is a- so exciting, and there's going to be some fun stuff on the horizon for that. Mm. But uh, I also just want to take a minute to say this. If you are interested in going on mission with us, please email us at info at org. We would love to explore taking you with us. And we're planning a trip in January. Mm-hmm. And so if you're interested, don't hesitate to reach out because uh, more than likely the Lord put that interest on your heart and it's uh it's it's not as hard as you might think to to you you won't regret (laughs) right right yeah absolutely well pastor samuel i i'm just so thrilled and i'm so thankful that god has allowed pipes international to see this much growth over the past nine years Mm. and we praise the lord for his goodness and his faithfulness and uh, we're excited about the future and for those of you that are praying with us on a daily basis and and supporting us we are so thankful for you and we just want to reemphasize that this work is made possible by your contribution and god god blesses those who give of their time and their finances maybe not necessarily in in ways that we can see Here on earth, but we know that uh, we have been told to store it for ourselves treasures in heaven, Mm -hmm. and God is faithful. Amen. And um, so we are so thankful for you. We're so thankful for everything that God has allowed us to do, and we look forward to being with you again soon on The Pipeline. God bless you. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pipeline. For more information and resources, like us on Facebook or visit our website at pipesinternational.org. If you'd like to support this program or the Ministry of Pipes International, you can do so easily and securely on the website. Juana Asifue.